This week, in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, SEC attacks PFOF, Milan Gas Crunch pushing TTF to USA, NSE seeks longer trading hours, and SBF is home in more ways than one, as he pleads not guilty. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 175, the first podcast of 2023. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past. And indeed, because this is a special New Year's edition, it's not just the past seven days, but actually the past fortnight or so of the festive period. However, daily, if you want to stay in touch with what's happening in the bourse business, you need to be reading Exchange Invest, the unique daily subscriber newsletter of the bourse business, which can be sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. On with the news roundup. After a welter of congressional committee hearings, which fell after Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested, much to the chagrin of many American political types, the US managed to extradite SBF on a record-breaking $250 million bail. Remember, of course, at the start of last year, $250 million was the amount of money that SBF thought was sufficient to secure the entire central counterparty clearing business. My high inflation obviously leapt out of the bag during the course of the last 12 months. Anyway, that $250 million record-breaking bail involved only his parents' $4 million Californian house's security. That makes it clearly a trade in contravention of ESMA leverage rules, if nothing else. Thus, inmate 14372 in the Bahamas penal system has become free as a bird bloke behind a computer with plenty of bandwidth in sunny California. Before Christmas, Exchange Invest had been discussing the tantalising articles from SBF's mother were... Beyond Blame, for example, which was published in 2013 by the Boston Review, noted that guilt just isn't a thing. Thus, SBF flew in a PJ, albeit not a private jet of his own direct chartering, straight from the rat-infested cells of the Bahamas Penitentiary to the USA, where it transpired SBF's former colleagues had been busy ratting him out. On January the 3rd, SBF returned to court and promptly pleaded not guilty, presumably in line with familial credo. Thanks to the incredible work of staff at CFTC, SEC and elsewhere, a trial is scheduled for October the 2nd. That's vastly in advance of the time it took just to levy charges alone in the likes of Madoff and Enron. If, meanwhile, you want to buy a few FTX subsidiaries, auctions are happening imminently. Embed, the stock-clearing clearing business, which FTX bought in June, is going to be seeing initial bids 
by 5 p.m. Eastern Time on January the 18th. LedgerX is open to bids. That was what became FTX US January 25th. And on February the 1st, you can bid for FTX Japan and FTX Europe. FTX is hoping to complete the sales for the four businesses between February the 27th and March the 27th of this year. Meanwhile, with knives in the back of FTX and SBF, it appears they worry must be in Binance and much else across the cryptosphere. Can they survive? All this news and more is going to be covered daily in Exchange Invest. We've had a cracking track record of predicting what's going to be the future of cryptocurrency over the course of the last few years, right from having been one of the earliest people to say that winter is coming and the long, dark crypto winter is continuing. If you want to subscribe to Exchange Invest, it is $349 per user year. One month free trial now available. Ping us on direct media, whichever DMs you can find us in, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or indeed via our website, exchangeinvest.com, and we'll get you signed up for that free trial ahead of subscription. Over in Australia, ASIC wrote a pre-festive letter to ASX. It wasn't quite a dear Santa, but on the other hand, it did seem to have a certain degree of embeddedness in fiction. It's one of those read-at-your-own-blood-pressure risk letters. Essentially, the unrepentant yada yada came from ASX after the most epic stuff-up in Australian capital markets history. This was ASX writing to ASIC, of course. All management and board are still in situ at ASX and they've headed shamelessly towards milking the ISX ATM throughout the Australian summer season. On the other hand, ASIC has now gone so surreal that it rivals the FTX telenovela in certain parts, essentially asking what it ought to have been asking about five years ago of ASX, back when some might have not sniggered when the we're a technology company strapline was being test marketed to a focus group by ASX. How to surmise... Well, it looks like a lot of analog people leading rather incapable of being digital people, to put it politely. Or is that the other way round? Certainly I can imagine somebody in Sydney can coalesce chess replacement, donkey management and Gallipoli in no more than two steps. Does it effectively matter anymore? Who is at fault? Is anybody innocent from ASIC RBA and the appalling ASX management after the original system was allowed decades of underinvestment atrophy? Australia deserves better. Actually, Australia deserves anything better than this. Hopefully, SIBO, amongst others, can lead the vanguard of sorting the embarrassing Oz shambles towards coherence and proper markets once again. Over in Chicago, CME still have an open outcry pit. It's making a great leap forward. Not into the digital world, I hasten to add. No, rather, Eurodollars are going from LIBOR-based Eurodollars to SOFR-based. That's in the CME Eurodollar options pits. Suicide move of the month, the European Union... Countries have agreed a gas price cap to contain the energy crisis. You can read the blah blah, of course it was all covered in Exchange Invest, but ultimately there's one single line that ought to bring you out into a cold sweat. As reported by Reuters, ICE warns it could relocate gas trading out of EU if block caps price. This story boils down to two key salient facts. ICE is a business, which means it has responsibilities and takes them very seriously and also wants indeed to keep its customers happy. Point two, the European Union is not a business. 
doesn't think like one, doesn't act like one, and thus is sealing its own fate. There are also side elements of these issues where the EU has a chronic corruption problem, no credibility in most of its major competencies, where the word is clearly used to mean the opposite. And so too, thus, European Union compasses are, well, Brussels, hashtag, it's depressing. Anyway, ICE being coherent, pragmatic folks who actually make a profit and keep customers happy are looking at the hectoring halfwits of Brussels, various unable to exercise their shoulder chips at being spurned spouses in Brexit and are most clearly out of their depth in the world of financial markets. Remember, the European Union, European Commission, has been consistently wrong in a fashion that, armed with rocks over the course of the last decade, the lure of fire would be a near impossible byproduct to fashion. I'll exclude here honourable and decent coherent technocrats, for example, John Berrigan, who actually understands markets, as opposed to the clod headed Brussels political types who only understand finance when it comes in harried bags and containing large amount of notes. Thus, we have the European Union as the apotheosis of incompetence, and we have ICE being rational and understanding they must produce a balanced market. If that balanced market might price gas in Europe but does not exist in Europe, then the European Union has only itself to blame. Elsewhere, the European Union reached a deal on major carbon market reform, which is of course completely irrelevant if they've already managed to banjax their energy markets. In better news, good news from the two leading exchanges for stocks in the world. The New York Stock Exchange reported an unprecedented year of activity in 2022, despite the bear market. It had some 34 transfers of listings to the NYSE as of December 20th, 2022, the highest number since 2002. Meanwhile, NASDAQ, they welcomed 156 IPOs and 29 exchange transfers in 2022. Quite a spectacular series of results from both of New York's finest, despite this being overall a bad year for bourses. Hedge funds, meanwhile, they had a bad year with nickel. They say they lost $95 million in the LME nickel crisis. Nonetheless, a London court threw out the hedge funds case in the first round of litigation against the London Metal Exchange over the $4 billion nickel nightmare, giving LME the upper hand for the time being. Interesting news from the National Stock Exchange. Their new CEO, Ashish Chauhan, is eager to expand the Indian trading days. If Singapore and America can work for 16 to 18 hours, India as a developing market working for 6 hours and 15 minutes is not a great idea. We continuously resisted longer hours and countries like Singapore prospered using our prices to trade, noted the new boss of India's largest stock exchange. Exciting news in the Eurozone, it's got a new member, Croatia, and congratulations to Ivana Gasic and the Zagreb Stock Exchange in managing to affect seamless trading as they denominated their products in Euros across the board at the Zagreb Stock Exchange. One Brexit story which absolutely no mainstream media seem to have picked up. London is a financial centre since Brexit, evidence from the 2022 BIS Triennial Survey. The Bank for International Settlements have said that at worst, London is back to where it was in 2016. 
having, curiously, some might argue, actually grown its share of the euro-denominated pie in 2019, three years after the ref referendum, but before the full euro settlement was agreed. In essence, this is the most perfect demonstration that euro-crisis tales of woe were complete codswallop from imbeciles and closed-minded minds, blindly following the Brussels order with a hint of independent thought capacity being absent. The euro repo market may have taken a bit of froth off the top of London market share. That business was always going to return to the continent, but as things stand, the allegedly on its last legs, London Financial Centre amounts to well over 60% of global euro-denominated interest rate trading. Read, weep and give up on Europe. You cannot win this one until you fill the left-hand side of the grave with your own corpse. Well, happy Christmas and happy new year. European Union, I suppose, is the order of the day. Magnificent news from London all round. Deal news this week, just one thing, a completion. Euronext completed the sale of MTS Markets International Inc., a US subsidiary of MTS. Don't forget, you can still pick up a copy of my most recent book, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World is the topic, Victory or Death, Looking at the Futures of Markets, published by DB Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream. It's on at Tuesday, 6pm, London, 1300 hours New York time. The IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. We'll be coming up following our reviews of the year, which took place over the festive season, with a very exciting first show for 2023. IPOVID89 is coming up next Tuesday. That's going to be ADGM building an island of excellence with Simon O'Brien. Product news this week, Euroclear, they've announced a plan to stop supporting cannabis-related stocks. That's clearly going to put a crunch into the whole marijuana marketplace. Meanwhile, SEBI have suspended trading of agri-commodity derivatives on various products for one more year. That applies to non-basmati paddy, wheat, chana, mustard seeds and derivatives, soybeans and its derivatives, Crude palm oil and moong remain suspended until December 2023 in an act of standard issue micromanagement and over-intervention by SEBI. That was promptly met by farmer groups protesting against the SEBI ban on trading in seven agri-commodities. Let's hope 2023 might be a better year for open markets. Technology news this course of the festive update edition in this IPO podcast for Exchange Invest weekly number 175. ICE Global have expanded their network in key Asian markets. The London Stock Exchange Group is acquiring Acadia. SEBI enhanced their vigil on MCX technology transition, while the Australian Stock Exchange's blockchain failure has burnt market trust, according to Reuters and pretty much anybody else who doesn't work for the ASX but is in the Australian financial market. One good piece of news, well done to the folks of NASDAQ. DACA Stock Exchange have extended their technology partnership with NASDAQ Worldwide. Regulation news this week, the SEC gift to the industry, four market structure proposals, three to two votes in part, but no partridge in a pear tree was the way Goodwin Proctor surmised the whole thing. For those somewhat bamboozled, there was a sudden arrival of mega complex SEC proposals just before Christmas. In the wake of the agency doing next to nothing about crypto, despite repeated empty threats, the threats remain empty. At the same time, there's some very exciting new proposals around payment for order flow, which seem to be 
beyond complex in many, many ways in terms of what they're trying to achieve, where perhaps it might have been better just to come out with a ban. At the same time, the European Union, they didn't come out with a ban on payment for order float during the course of their meetings just before Christmas, which was rather a surprise. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In Career Path this week, we're delighted to see that the Nasdaq CEO, Adina Friedman, is assuming an additional role as chair of the Nasdaq Board of Directors, in addition, of course, to her chief executive position. Michael Splinter was also appointed lead independent director. That news came out just before a story circulated that Carlisle is reportedly struggling to find a new CEO. Now, much as I think Adina Friedman would be a superbly admirable prodigal returnee to go from former CFO to the CEO hot seat at Carlisle, I sincerely hope she will be staying longer in the parish as the joint chairman CEO of NASDAQ. Seems her instinct is to stay put for now. Fingers crossed for the parish. Japan Exchange, they've had a major upheaval of management. Farewell to the retiring group CEO, Akira Kiyoda, and congratulations on their elevation to the new group CEO, Yamaji Hiromi. Group COO, Ivanaga Moriyuki, and Executive Director, Yokoyama Ryusuke. Hong Kong government, they've named a replacement for Ashley Alder as the boss of the SFC, and the first Female to run the Hong Kong regulatory organization will be journalist-turned-regulator Julia Leung. Cebu Global Markets, they announced the election of Hillary Sale to the boards of Cebu US Securities Exchanges, CFE and Cebu CEF boards. While congratulations to my old friend Lord Geoffrey Mount Evans, who's been appointed chairman of the Baltic Exchange Council with effect from January the 1st, 2023, succeeding Dennis Petropoulos. Akif Said, he's been appointed as the new SEC chairman in Pakistan. And we end our update with some sad news. The Lusaka Securities Exchange announcing the tragic passing of their CEO, Mrs. Priscilla Chikuni Sampa, RIP. Of course, interest rates were a big topic of conversation across the Christmas dinner tables, the Hanukkah tables, and indeed much else besides in the course of recent days. It's a useful point to ponder in the macro picture of interest rates. Yes, yes, we all realise that interest rates have gone up from nada to, wow, they've gone up by 425 basis points in a year in the USA, which is an extent of increase not seen for 40 years. However, the interesting point is we're not 450 basis points and the average, drumroll, drumroll, from 1971 to 2022 for Fed funds is circa 5.4%, 90 basis points above where Fed funds are sitting at the moment and millennials are throwing their toys out of the pram. In other words, the average is way above what at least a generation and a half of citizens and indeed mortgagees regard as preposterous. Considering those interest rate rises, most recently the Fed leaves us with a bit of a hangover. The insane era of the technocratic imbeciles who prevailed in a Davosian haze, aka that's rather like Panglossian but fiscal, have left the UK alone with £847 billion of QE gilts on the books. That's well over a billion trillion dollars worth, rather I should say. 
Now that's all in a private subsidiary, which could have required at any point in time before Christmas a bailout of more than $200 billion, even before the Fed had their Christmas surprise interest rate. It's a bit of a concern for everybody, particularly in Europe. After the race to QE, there now appears to be a dubious race between the likes of France, Germany, Italy, the broader EU, and indeed the UK, who are all trying to be competitive in this dubious race to be the next Argentina. Meanwhile, the Bank of England now has an independent mandate to set interest rates, as it's had for a decade or more, while holding a huge pile of debt that it needs to assuage. Conflicts of interest is one phrase which springs to mind. How does this differ from FTX? Might be another. However, let's end this first podcast of 2023 on a much happier note. The Bombay Stock Exchange, BSE, announced late in December they had added 10 million investors in just 148 days during 2022 to reach the 120 million investor mark. A rather astounding number outright. Not too shabby either as a percentage of the near 1.4 billion Indian population. And of course, foreigners are mostly locked out of investing directly in Indian stocks. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, my name is Patrick L. Young, builder of marketplaces the world over, publisher of Exchange Invest, the water cooler of the bourse business. I wish you all, ladies and gentlemen, a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.